you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. Yeah, so open your Bibles over to Mark chapter 4. For those of you who are visiting with us or or new, uh, all summer we've just been going through uh, various passages in the Gospels. And we've just, this has been fun for me because I can just pull out all of my favorite chunks of the Gospel. And we may continue with this. It's been really good. I'll I'll change the title to something else so that everybody thinks we're in a new series and we'll just keep doing the same thing. So... Uh, but today we're going to begin to look at Mark chapter 4. We can by no means um, address these, this passage in, in one Sunday, uh, but we're going to introduce and look at it. I believe this is one of the most important teachings that Jesus did, and from what Jesus said about it, I think Jesus thought this was one of the most important teachings that he did. And I'll let you know right now that some of the things we're going to talk about, they can be challenging to us. We, this is one of those, pretty much in this church, we don't, we don't believe the word ever condemns us, okay? I don't believe God condemns us. That means makes us feel unfit for use. He's not afraid to challenge us because he wants us to grow. And sometimes our beliefs and our thoughts and the way we've, you know, our, our way of living and thinking needs to be challenged. I, I find frequently the Lord challenges my thinking because he wants it to change so that I can grow and produce more fruit. It's part of the pruning process that Jesus talked about in John chapter 15. So, so I just opened this up saying some of, these, some of the things we're going to look at even this morning, they're, they're challenging. And so I'll just put it this way. I I hope that you brought your big boy pants and your big girl pants so that if, if it is challenging to you, you're, you're ready to look it up. Don't, don't grab it just because I say it. But if the word says it, let it challenge you because the Lord only challenges us when he wants to change something in us so that we can grow. Okay, does that make sense to you? Yes, yes. thank you, Jessica. Uh, Always good to know somebody's getting it. All right, so we're going to start, and we're just going to um, read down, if I can get where you are. We're going to read this, the first uh, nine verses, I believe, of Mark chapter 4, and then we're going to start to uh, pick some of this apart, dissect some of this. I'm going to go ahead and read from the Amplified Bible to begin with. So it's not, <clears throat> there's not a lot of amplification actually in this section, but uh, if you don't have that version, you might want to just listen or follow along in your Bible. So Mark chapter 4 verse 1 says, again, Jesus began to teach beside the lake and a very great crowd gathered about him so that he got into a ship in order to sit in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was at the lakeside on the shore. Verse 2, and he taught them many things in parables, illustrations, or comparison, put beside truths to explain them. And in his teaching, he said to them, give attention to this. 
Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed of the same kind fell on ground full of rocks. It's really important that it the Amplified, it's in brackets, it's not in the original language, but the Amplified adds that so that as we go through these four different soils that Jesus was sowing into, we don't get the idea that it was different seed and it's the, pro- the problem with the production is with the seed. Okay, that's why the Amplified says it's the same kind of seed in every one of these. All right, so again, verse five, other seed of the same kind fell on ground full of rocks where it had not much soil and at once it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun came up, it was scorched. And because it had not taken root, it withered away. Other seed of the same kind fell among thorn plants and the thistles grew and pressed together and utterly choked and suffocated it and it yielded no grain. And other seed of the same kind fell into good, well-adapted soil and brought forth grain growing up and increasing and yielded up to 30 times as much and 60 times as much and even a hundred times as much as had been sown. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing and let him consider and comprehend. All right, so let's just, let's just back up and just lay out a couple of foundations here. Now, obviously, Jesus is teaching here, you know, the seed. We're going to see as we go into the next passage, he explains this to his disciples. And we're going to be studying that for a couple of weeks. Um, But the seed that he's talking about is the word of God as it comes into our life. It comes in as seed. And if we think about what a seed is, it's a little tiny container of life. And it will always reproduce the life that it came from. God said back in Genesis, uh, he said, on, on earth forever, all right, my paraphrase, forever, there will be seed time and harvest, heat and cold, night and day. They, they won't cease on the earth, all right? Seed time and harvest is a principle in the earth. We use it to grow gardens. We use it to grow crops. We use it for many things. But we need to understand Jesus is likening the word of God coming into our lives, into our hearts as way. And, he, and when he talks about the different kinds of heart, those are heart conditions, different kinds of soil. They are heart conditions. They are, they are how receptive is my heart to the word of God that is coming in. All right. And, and so he lays this out. And of course, he's laying this out in, in an agricultural community. And it says he taught many things in parables. He used parables a lot. And we all, we know what a parable is, but I mean, the, the defini- definition of it is it's a natural illustration, something that we understand in the natural. And it has that, the Greek term there is parabole. It means to throw one thing down beside another. And so he, he gives this natural in his illustration that we already understand how it works. And he lays it down beside a spiritual truth. And so by looking at the natural, we can understand the main principle in that spiritual truth. And the point here is that Jesus did this. He taught in parables to make the truth unmistakable, understandable, and applicable. Okay, if I understand how a seed works, and now he gives me this about the Word of God, and he says it works the same way, 
well, then I can start to apply that in my life. I can, I can welcome seed planted into my heart. I can check the condition of my heart. I can get this picture and so I can apply it. Okay, I can begin to apply it so that my life will become more and more and more fruitful, right? And he, and he used a number of different kinds of parables. But in this one, I want you to get that he's trying to make the word of God and the principles within the word of God accessible. He's trying to make them understandable because a lot of people have this idea that, that just the nature of God is to continually hide things from us. It's, it's to continually um, kind of see what we can do, what we can come up with. It's, it's this sort of restrictive sense. And here's Jesus doing everything he can do to make God's word understandable to people so that their lives can become more fruitful. That's the nature of God. And if you take that and you understand that as the nature of God, then you will be much more likely to come to him and to ask. When you have a situation in your life and you don't know how to handle it, he says that he will give you wisdom. He'll give it freely. He'll give it without judgment. He will give it to you if we ask. Okay, And if we have that in our minds, instead of thinking, well, you know, I'm not good enough, or I did this, or I didn't do that, or something like that, so God's withholding from it. If we see him essentially as, in the core of his nature, as a withholding God, instead of a God, Jesus said, the thief's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That is, I'm in John 10, 10, draws a line right down the middle of life and says, here's what the thief comes to do. Here's what I come to do. And if we will accept that, and you may have been raised in a doctrine that's different than that. Well, that's one of those challenges I just talked about. That's one of those places to say, you know what? This is what the word of God says about my Lord. And so I'm going to feel real free to approach him and ask him. That doesn't mean we get everything instantly. Uh, You know, in fact, you know, I just want you to know Jesus isn't playing games with your life. He isn't. He he wants you to know him. And he will go out of his way to help you to know him. So then in verse 3, he says, uh, what, does, what does the Amplified say? Give attention to this. Okay, I think the King James says hearken, you know, which isn't a word we use very much. But But this is a term that means... This is so good. I love this. We know it means to listen, but the Greek term actually means to hear with the ear of the mind. To hear with the ear of the mind. In other words, this isn't, and Jesus often said, he says it in this, in this passage. He says, if you have ears to hear, then hear. The idea is you've, you've got the organs on the side of your head, okay? You're hearing, you're hearing the sound, listen with the ears of the mind. Pay attention to what's being said, okay? And, and he, so he says, listen to this. It, this word means to listen in order to retain and apply. Think about when you might ask somebody for directions, okay? Where in the world is the old Stevens access at Blue Mesa? 
and somebody says, well, you drive west out Highway 50, you go past the Lake City Bridge, it's almost exactly three miles on your left-hand side to that access. You're first going to go by a sign that says Stevens Creek, but now you go to the next one that says Old Stevens Creek, it's on your left, straight across the road is the Oasis campground or whatever they call that now uh straight across the road and that's where you are and you go in there and and then you can find us and that's where the baptism is going to be okay so you ask for directions right then you listen so that you can apply sometimes you depending on your personality and the way it is or how unfamiliar you might be with the place okay you write it down all right we can still write things down Write it in your phone. If you don't have a pen, Tim will get you a pen. But, but you know, write it, right? I mean, this is what we do. Why do we do that? Because we're listening with the intent to follow the directions. That's what this word means when he says, in verse 3, he says, listen to this. And then he makes a super simple statement. He says, the sower went out to sow. Well, that, that's so interesting to me that he calls himself God, the, the Father, the Holy Spirit, it, the sower, the sower. It's a, it's, a, it's a title. It means, you know, if I say the doctor, we know what that person does. We know what their focus is. We know that they do some form of medicine. They're there to try and heal people, okay? It's who they are. It's what they do. This is the sower. He's there because he wants to sow the word into your life. Some of your translations say the farmer. It's actually a really weak translation. This means, get this, in the Greek, this means the sower. That's what it means. The person whose intent and job and, and direction in life is to plant seed, the seed of God's word, in our life. Now let's jump down. Are you still with me? Let's jump down to verse 12, because I, I just want to clear this up before we go any farther. The way that this reads, uh, and I'll just switch so it's a little bit um, shorter. We'll start with verse 11. I'll switch to the NIV. The way that this reads in English, it almost sounds like he's using parables so that we won't get it. Okay, so that it's it's sort of a trick, you know, that God's that God's playing on us. And that's not what it means at all. It says in verse 11 of chapter four, it says, he told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, in other words, those who are not followers of Jesus, they haven't made Jesus Lord of their life. Everything is said in parables so that seeing, they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, what he's actually saying there is he's not saying, I teach in parables so that they won't understand and repent. Okay, to me, the English sounds kind of like that. But what he's saying is, I teach in parables so that the truth is made so painfully obvious that if you choose not to receive it, it's obviously your choice. Because I've made it so clear, okay? I'm doing everything I can do to make it really clear. I'm using parables, all right? And so if you choose not to, be, uh, not to receive it, and I'm going to use this term with you this morning because we're going to see it as we go, th- go through these various ideas. 
it will be clear that you are being willfully ignorant. Okay? That's a big boy, big girl term. Willfully ignorant. The Bible has an awful lot to say about that. What does that mean? It means I'm ignorant doesn't mean stupid. Ignorant means I don't, I don't know. I, I, ignorance is a lack of knowledge of something. It's not that you're dumb. It's not that you couldn't know. It's that, and, and willfully ignorant means I am choosing not to know that truth. I am choosing my life because why? Some, a lot of times it's because it's going to invade an area of our life and require a change that we don't want to make, okay? Big boy, big girl, right? We're big boy, big girl today. This, this, it's, this, is, this is just the way we work sometimes. It's like, I don't really want to know that, God, because then I'm going to be accountable for it. Once we hear it and understand it, we are accountable for it, Okay? If you don't understand it, that's a whole different thing. He'll keep working with you until you understand it. He'll bring you your own parable. All right? It's who he is. But the reason that he's using these parables, and the reason he's going to give us this, is because he's going to make this so clear, if we choose not to understand what he's saying here about our own hearts, And he's not telling this, telling us this about the condition of our heart so that we'll feel bad about it. He's not, this is not his purpose. His purpose is, you know, the, the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit. It uses the Greek term parakletos. We say paraclete. It means one who comes right alongside, takes hold together with us, and leads us where we need to go. He, it's not one who goes where he wants us to go and then stands there and wait for, waits for us to figure out how to get there. Okay, The nature of God and the nature of Jesus Christ and the nature of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that this is what he wants to do. He wants to come right alongside, take hold with us right where we are, and lead us, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit lead us into the whole fullness of truth. Why? Just so we'd be smarter than somebody else? Just so we can argue on the internet? No, no, no. So that we can bear more fruit. So that more of his nature can come through us. So that we can experience the abundant life that he came to give us. That's what's in the seed of the word of God. So, so he says that here. He says, look, I'm laying this out really clearly. Now you have a choice to make. And this is always true. The Lord will faithfully do his end of all of this. He will bring you the word that you need to hear at the time you need to hear it. He will help you get rid of some of those hard places. We all have some hard places in our life caused by hurts, caused by life, caused by sometimes by bad doctrine that we've believed, you know, sometimes caused by willful ignorance. I've lived in willful ignorance. I try not to do it anymore. It's not, it's not beneficial to my life. We live in a culture that is filled with willful ignorance. It, it is, anyway, we'll probably get to that. If not today, another day. Let's, let me not get that far ahead of myself. All right. So are you getting anything out of this? All right. All right, let's go ahead and jump down to verse 13 because I, I love this. I, I think it's in about verse 10. Uh, 
as soon as he he's teaching, this is this is my interpretation. He's he's teaching, he gives the parable that we just read. His disciples are there like, yeah, we get it. We get it. We know it. We're with Jesus. We know. As soon as he leaves there, they're saying, what did that mean? But, it, but it, they don't do it at that time. You know, they do it in private. What, what did that mean? And graciously, he, he tells them. So let's just begin in verse 13. He said to them, do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it possible? That's a strong term. How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all the parables? That means this parable about seed and the sower and the condition of heart, okay? That, that it's not the seed's problem because it's the same kind of seed in every one of those four areas, all right? Not a problem with the seed, not a problem with the sower. If there's a problem, if there's a restriction in production and fruitfulness in our lives, it's the condition of heart. And again, he's there to help us with that. He's not pointing that out just to say, no, oh, man, you've got a hard spot over here. You've got rocks over there. Look at those weeds. You know, that's not his point. He is there. He wants to get all of us to that final stage. Let me just, let me put it this way. Two things as we go forward with this, we need to understand. One of them is all of us, I believe we can have all four kinds of ground in different parts of our life, in different parts of our heart. There might be some places we're wide open to what God's saying. Other places, we've still got some rocky parts in there. It's, and when trouble comes, that, that's, that whatever started to grow from the seed is scorched and taken out. We might have some places where we've got a lot of weeds, a lot of cares, a lot of stuff, other stuff growing and it chokes out the word and and there there are other places where our hearts are actually hard and that seed just lays up on the surface okay and we're going to look at each one but I, I personally believe this is just my personal belief that we could have all four of those working in different parts of our life and the lord will keep working to bring us to the place because the other side of this is we can all come to a place i believe where we are good ground in every area in our heart and in our life. And that's going to be a process for all of us. It's going to be a process. I don't think any of us start out there. You know, I, I just don't think so. But he says, you know, that this parable of the sower sowing the word of God into people's hearts and the condition of the heart being what determines the level of productivity of the seed it's so foundational that if we don't understand that that's how God's word works in our life, we're never going to understand anything that he teaches or not fully understand anything that he teaches. So that tells me that everything that he teaches, everything that the Lord is speaking to you, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in you and to walk with you and to be your coach and your guide and your counselor, everything that he's bringing to you, he's bringing through his word, okay? He's planting it in your heart And then there's a process from the planting of that seed to the bearing of fruit. There's a process, and some of it involves a change in our heart. But here, let me just give you this little list. I believe that nearly all, if not all, of the growth and revelation the Lord gives us, we receive through this seed time and harvest process. And so it's a process of, first of all, hearing with the ear of the mind. 
Hearing in order to apply. Hearing, having that attitude. When we sit down, when you come to church, when you sit down in your own private time, as you're conversing with other believers, just through your life, through your day, we're listening with the intent that when God says something to me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start to apply that. I'm going to listen. I'm going to ask questions. I'm, I'm going to listen. So the first thing is hearing. The second thing is we've got to receive the word when we hear. We've got to receive what he's saying. What does that mean? It means you say yes. It's as simple as that. The Lord speaks something or he, he highlights a scripture to you in your Bible, you know, or you hear it somewhere and boy, it just goes off in you. That's, I believe that's the Lord impressing that truth upon your heart. What do you do? The first thing you do is you say yes. All right. You say yes. You don't say no or maybe or, uh, you know, you, you don't do that. You say yes, Lord. Doesn't mean I get it. it means I receive it. Does that make sense? Makes sense to you. So we hear, we receive acknowledging. Scripture tells us over in Proverbs, we need to acknowledge the voice of God. And that means we're yielding. There's this, we're saying yes, and then there's this yielding the floor, okay, to the Lord. Sometimes you're in a meeting and whoever's leading the meeting will say, uh, the floor recognizes Jessica, okay? And so that means, what does that mean? It means we're all going to shut up and we're going to listen to what Jessica has to say, right? We're giving her the floor. That's acknowledging when the Lord speaks to us. There are different kinds of questions. You know, questions to understand and apply are great, and the Lord will answer them. Questions, well, I think it's this way. That's a different thing, right? So, so we're giving him, we're acknowledging the word when it comes into us. We're giving authority to that word from our hearts. We have that choice to make. I'm giving that word authority. Again, I don't even understand it all yet, but you know what? If God says it, I'm receiving it because I know he has my best interest at heart. So I'm going to receive it and I'm giving it authority. And if there's a contradictory thing, he will, inside me, he will explain that to me. I trust him to explain that to me. But if that's his word, I'm giving it authority. It's where I'm headed. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so after we give it authority, then there's this nurturing process. And a lot of that is where he'll, he'll work different issues out in our hearts. But, you know, if we plant a seed, it doesn't come up the next day. It has to germinate. It has to put down roots. It has to be nurtured and taken care of. It needs water. It needs good soil. It needs, it needs things. It will need light eventually, you know, to really come and produce everything this is what Jesus is saying. This is how the word works. He says in other places, this is how the whole kingdom works in the earth. It's like, it's like a man plants a seed in the ground. He sleeps night and day. He doesn't know. He doesn't understand how it happens. But that seed produces. And then it grows in stages. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Jesus taught in that way. And he taught over in John 15 about this this vine and branches relationship that we have. You know, it's his life flowing into us and flowing through us and it eventually produces fruit that is the result of the same life that was flowing through us. Every seed, God said in Genesis, every seed in the earth will produce after its own kind. And if man doesn't mess around with it too much, that is true, okay? It will produce from the same life that it came from. All right, same thing with God's word. 
So that nurturing process, we keep pondering the word, asking him questions about the word. We revolve the word in our mind and, and speak it out to ourselves. That's what the word meditating means in the Bible. There's this rooting process that has to happen. We have to put down roots in the word and the word has to put down roots in us. It takes time. It takes time. God, you know, this is something I love about the Lord. When he speaks something to you, it's not as a challenge to you to figure out how to do it and do it tomorrow. He's sowing something into your life and he'll even give you lead time if you need it. He knows on this, this year, you're going to need to be walking in this word and he'll give it to you back here because he's a good coach, because he's a good farmer and he knows your heart and he loves you and he's doing this for your good. And it's an amazing, I've seen that so many times in my life and other people's lives. Get hold of something, you start meditating on it, thinking on it, reading it again and again. I'll carry that verse around with me and look at it again and again during the day. And, and, and that stuff will go off, and start to change in me. And then somewhere way up the road, it will become evident that this is when there needs to be fruit from that word I sowed into you way back here. God's just faithful. He's just faithful. Okay? And so then the final stage is development to harvest. Okay? Unto harvest. The Lord will just keep working in our hearts and, and bring it uh, to that stage. Does that make sense to you? All right. Let's go one more. We've got time to get at least one more piece of this. So then he begins, all right, to explain this. He says, the seed, the ones along the path, that was the first group that he talked about, are those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, some of your translations say immediately, this is something that happens very quickly. When they hear, Satan comes at at once and by force takes away the message which was sown in them. So this is a description of what we call and what the Bible calls a hard heart. All right. Again, it might just be an area in our life where we're not willing to hear what God has to say, or uh, we may start out with a very hard heart toward the message of the gospel, toward the word of God, toward the Lord, toward what he would say. All right. It says there along the footpath, the picture is there's a field or, or a garden, whatever, and, and the farmer would walk certain paths and then sow seed beside into the more turned up soil. So those paths were hard because they were walked on. And we're not going to get to it today. We don't have time. But one of, the, one of the ways our hearts get hard is by being walked on. It's some of the experiences we have in life, some of the hurts, some of the things we go through from other people. I can harden our hearts. And, and we need to, when that happens... Being angry at the person who walked on us isn't very productive. I understand, been there, done that for sure, still working through some of it. I understand, but we need to have the concept that, you know what, I don't want hardness anywhere in in my heart. So Lord, help me. Okay, so these are, they're along the, the side. They're not intentional, expectant hearers and seekers. They're not people who are seeking to hear the word they just hear the word and in that area of their heart or in their life, they're 
there's hardness. And so the, so the seed of the word, the picture is, it just lays up on the surface. surface. And the birds, you know how birds do. We put bird seed out a lot of mornings. You don't see any birds. And then you put that seed out and 10 seconds later, the birds are there, you know, eating, eating that seed. And because this is, a, this is the shallowest, hardest kind of heart in this parable. And so the word essentially in another place over in John 8, I believe, we looked at it several weeks ago. Uh, Jesus talked to some people about, he said, my word makes no progress in you. In the Amplified Bible, it says it makes no progress. It can't get in because our hearts are hard to it, all right? So this is, this, and if this is true of us, it also makes us really susceptible to deception, to Satan stealing things out of your life, Satan stealing the good things uh, that God would, uh, would bring into your life. So this is hardness of heart. So you can turn with me, if you'd like, over to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. I don't have these verses for you on the screen. But I want to look into this hardness of heart this morning. Probably next week we'll get to some of the causes of hardness of heart. But I just want you to really understand what the Bible says about hardness of heart. Because I want you to hate hardness of heart in yourself. Not hate yourself, but be, you, you want to turn up that soil. Okay, That place that has been walked on, is it's soil. It's just hard. It could be just as fertile and rich and ready as the soil right beside it. Okay, but it's been made hard by one thing or another. So Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, talking about Israel, it gives us this insight. It says, then while it is still called today, okay, we're not, that's still us, right? We still call this today. It, then while it is still called today, if you would hear his voice, that would hear his voice, and when you do hear it, Okay, little sidebar here. Having the attitude in my life that I want to hear his voice, I'll hear his voice a lot more often. Okay? Just having that attitude of heart, Lord, I want to hear what you're saying. I'm hungry to hear what you're saying. I'll hear him a lot more often. All right? So if you would hear his voice, then when you do hear your voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. Okay? So... If we would hear his voice and we do hear his voice, then whose responsibility is it? He's saying you don't harden your hearts. In other words, don't resist what he says. Okay, don't harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. Okay, this term harden comes from a Greek word where we get the word sclerosis. Okay, you think of hardening of the arteries. It's a condition where our arteries... For for one thing, they they get. I don't I don't know if the wall. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if the wall actually gets thicker, but I think we get calcium inside, and it so the thickness is there. It, it reduces the blood flow. It it makes that artery hard. It's not flexible. I went in and asked Barb this morning. I said, "Talk to me about sclerosis," you know. And so as soon as she found out I was talking about hardness of heart, she just went off and started talking to me about it. But But anyway, one of the things she pointed out is that when you have hardening of the arteries, not only do you reduce the blood flow, 
But stuff you don't want floating around your body will break off from that spot too and cause other damage in your body. Sclerosis of the liver, sclerosis in your arteries, it's a bad thing, okay? That's the word that's used here. Don't make your heart hard. And again, it's talking to us. It's not saying God's doing it, the world's doing it, it's somebody else's fault, my aunt's fault. It's saying you, when you hear the word, don't harden your heart. Okay, good instruction. All right, still with me? Go down to verse 18. Again, the Amplified says, And whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest? That, that is for us, that is the rest of living by faith in God. There is a rest there. There's a peace there. Whom do you swear that they should not enter his rest? But to those who disobeyed, who had not listened to his word. Doesn't say they hadn't heard his word. It says they hadn't listened to his word. They weren't using the ear of the mind, okay? They heard it. They resisted it, all right? They hadn't listened to his word. And get this, I love this, who refused to be compliant or persuaded. So that's how, if, if we find the Lord speaking to us about an area in our life, sometimes it's just, man, I'm holding, I'm angry with somebody. I'm holding a grudge. I'm having a hard time with this. And the Lord starts to show us some things to help us forgive that person. We just don't want to. Just don't want to do it. Or the Lord wants to take a bad habit out of our life and he starts to speak to us about it. And we're resistant to it. It says that they refused, they refused to be compliant or persuaded. That's how we harden our hearts. We're just resistant to what God is saying this this these verses Hebrews three fifteen through nineteen it describes this it's a process again of hearing but not listening to the word okay hardening our heart against it it led in them to disobedience which produced sin and eventually we're almost done so stay with me here this is important eventually it led to an inability to enter into the life of living by faith, of rest in faith. It was a process. Again, these things don't happen immediately, all right? It's not like if I resist something from God, he's just going to walk away. He'll keep, he'll keep trying, okay? But if I continue in that, I'm not compliant, I don't want to hear it, eventually it'll lead to this willful ignorance. One more passage. Can you do one more passage with me? Ephesians doesn't matter. We're going to do it anyway. Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. You should mark this down. Again, these are big boy, big girl verses. These are, these are not necessarily fun to think about, but man, they are essential to producing fruit in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. I'm reading from the New International Version. All right. Paul says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. That means people uh, outside of covenant in this case. It means godless people, okay? You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. We would translate that word futility as impotence. In other words, it's a, it's a type of thinking that will not produce the life of God. It cannot produce fruit. It cannot produce anything, all right? The futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, all right? Darkened. There's not a lot of light, not a lot of revelation. They're darkened in their understanding, 
separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. We're going to describe that in just a second. Due to the hardening of their hearts. Ignorance is in them and darkness is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They've refused to be compliant, refused to be persuaded by the word. Having lost all sensitivity. Okay, notice that word sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. All right. Now, that word ignorance, here's the definition. That word ignorance from the Greek, it means a condition of heart and mind that is so separated from the life and light of God. Get this. It forbids any sense of guilt that could lead to repentance and restoration. Okay, this is an amoral mindset. This is a, this is a mindset that says, there is no wrong, there is no right. I refuse to accept that. I'm going to do what I want to do. We've, I mean, we see this every day. This condition is a condition in our culture that we, that we live in. And, we, and we're surrounded by it. Every day, let's not let it be in us. It says, you know, it, there is, I refuse to acknowledge that there's any such thing as sin. That there's anything, whatever, whatever you want to do, that's right for you. Whatever I want to do, that's right for me until I get mad at you, okay? Until what you want to do interferes with me, then that's different. But for right now, what you want to do is right for you. What I want to do is right for me. Okay, one more word and we're done. It says, Having lost all sensitivity. This is an amazing word. This, this word, insensitive, this, this phrase from the Greek, it means unable to feel, get this, either shame or honor. Insensitivity. It is sometimes translated as calloused. If you think about calluses, Karen has calluses on this hand from playing guitar because she pushes against those strings and as she pushes against, then then at first it hurts. Any of you ever tried to learn guitar? It hurts like crazy. And then later your your fingertips they form calluses and, and so the skin gets thicker and it's insensitive. It doesn't have the sensitivity and so you just don't feel it anymore. That's a condition of heart that comes and this is all due to the hardening of their hearts. This word means no sense of morality or accountability. We get the English word analgesic. Aspirin is an analgesic, right? You take aspirin, it removes the pain, but oftentimes the source of the pain is still there. You just don't feel it anymore. And it says we can come to this place through hardness of heart where we not only aren't sensitive to anything that should be shameful, okay, that should not be celebrated, that we should not be proud of our sin. We should not be proud of some of the lifestyles. I mean, we're, we're living in a country that is setting aside dates to celebrate sin. This is not good. This is, this is job security for the Christian, okay? So, you know, don't let it get you down too much. But that's the environment that we're living in. But not only can we not, we're insensitive to sh- anything that should be shameful, we're also insensitive to what's honorable. And we see that around us. We're attacking things that are honorable, demonstrating in the streets against things that are honorable. 
You know, so this happens. You can come to this place through hardness of heart. Jesus described that as that first layer. And what you do is you open yourself and we'll, you know, I just don't have time today. We'll get into how, how does the devil come in and take it up? The Amplified says he comes in and takes the seed out of your life by force. I'm not really sure why they said that. When you, when you read that in the original language, it really says he just lifts it up off the ground. It's laying on the surface. It doesn't take a lot of force. But what he does is you hear the word and he'll come at you with something that contradicts it, just like he did Adam and Eve. He'll come at you with a thought or an idea or something that contradicts that word. Or, or you hear the word in here and you've been in worship and you're all excited and you go out there and something happens. You get in a fight with somebody in the parking lot. You get mad at somebody on the road. You know, you get mad, you turn on the news. Don't ever do that after church. Don't ever turn on the news. And you get all upset about it. And the word that you just heard, it's out the door, okay? Instead, we hear, we receive, we nurture, we do all those other things. Let's stand up and pray. I didn't do too bad. I don't have a watch, so not too bad. Well, that 10 tell was just for my brain. All right, let's pray together. Father, I will just pray it this way today. Lord, we want your word. We want to hear your voice. We want to become sensitive and more sensitive, more sensitive to what you are speaking into our lives as individuals, first of all, so that we can grow and produce fruit. And then also as a church, in this day and age, Lord, you are speaking to your church. And we want to hear it. And when we hear your voice, we do not want to harden our hearts. So I'm going to pray right now for everybody, all of us in this room, everybody out online. Lord, right now, we make the choice. If there is some place in our heart that is hardened to what you're saying, we may not even know it. Holy Spirit, please show it to us. If we're having trouble receiving, if we're having trouble forgiving, if we're having trouble getting free from fear, Lord, if we're just having trouble with submitting to you in the direction you're trying to take us, Lord, help us. Help us. Lord, we choose right now to let that go in the name of Jesus, to open our hand, to let go of what we're hanging on to so tight. Father, to give that area over to you and we ask you to lead us and nurture us into that place of being sensitive again in that area because Lord, we know your word is good seed for our life. And so Father, we yield that over to you. Father, if there's anybody listening here this morning and they don't know you yet, they, don't, they, haven't, they just haven't entered into a relationship with Jesus, I pray for them right now, Lord, that they would make that choice right now and just declare, I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, that he is the son of God, that he died for my sin. And I confess him with my lips as Lord, he is my Lord. And Father, as they do that, I believe their heart is open to your word, even right now, today. Lord, as we go out into this, we go out, Lord, into the valley, into our jobs, into our schools, wherever we're going, Father, we know you send us as seed. You send us as light. You send us as lights to break darkness all around us. And we thank you for that assignment. We thank you that you empower us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Did you get anything out of this today? All right. 
We're going to say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. We're going to be dismissed. There are great snacks out there. I hope everybody will stay around and get to know one another. If you're new here, we'd love it if you'd stay and some people will meet you and all of that. Uh, If you're being baptized this afternoon, please come up. Let's just have our meeting right now. It won't take very long. There will still be some food left for us, probably. Okay? All right, let's say it. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.